I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today. Tell me if you've ever been in this situation, if you're a parent especially. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll get this. Your, your kid comes in uh, crying. And, of course, in, in Texas here, you know, they're outside playing all summer. So, uh, one time one of my son came in, and he's just he's crying. And I can tell it's not – this is a hurt cry. You know, you could, you could tell the difference usually between different kinds of cries. This is a hurt cry. And I'm going, so much, what's the matter? What's the matter? And he's like, it hurts, it hurts. I'm like, what, what, what hurts, you know? And he says, a, a wasp. And in Texas, we have these real aggressive giant red wasps. And trust me, it does hurt. And I'm like, where does it hurt somewhere? And he's just crying, crying. I'm like, where does it hurt? Tell me where it hurts. And finally, he lifts up his arm and, you know, he's got this big red welt right there. When he told me what it was and where where the pain was, I was able to help him to, to ease the pain, to deal with the situation. But, you know, when they're just crying uncontrollably, uh, or if he hadn't, he hadn't even come in, I, I wouldn't have been able to do anything for him. I, I, I wouldn't have known. And I think a lot of times we do that with our our hurts, uh, even with God. And we know he knows everything, you know, but but I don't know. Should we tell him maybe? How do we do that? We're going to talk about today. My, my guest is Clint Watkins. He describes himself as a missionary to, uh, to college students or a domestic missionary, which is a great description of, of someone who's ministering in places today where you know, unfortunately, God has been removed from a lot of these these cultures, uh, and so it, it is very much a domestic missionary circumstance. But he's got a book called "Just Be Honest," and the subtitle is "How to Worship Through Tears and Pray Without Pretending." And I, I think that's important for a lot of people to hear uh, and and to know uh, and to maybe see how how to do this because. Holding on to the hurt, trying to hide it, just prevents you from getting the help that you need. Clint, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thanks for having me. Is that a good setup for you? That's that's what I was getting out of what oh, we were talking about. That was that intro was great. I mean, I just want to dive right in with that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, are, do you have kids yourself? Yeah. So, uh, well, the book tells the story of us losing our firstborn, mm. uh, and then we we lost our second pregnancy. So we are in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with our third child, Conley. Mm-hmm. So he's he just turned two a few months ago. So uh, it, it's hard to say he's an only child because we want to pay tribute to our first two. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're we're dealing with the toddler years right now with with our son Conley. So a lot of a lot of crying and needing <laughs> to point where things hurt. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, goodness, man, this is not something that you're writing about just from thinking about or, or you know reading scriptures related to it you've walked through this mm-hmm. yeah the i mean the, the scriptures that, that i talk about in my book and i tried to really put as much scripture in the book as possible uh they were all the lifelines that that the lord used to sustain us in our suffering um so it's not at all a theological or intellectual exercise for me it really is a reality of uh, these passages, these truths, these realities of wrestling honestly with the Lord, it's the only way that we were able to, to navigate our own storms. So I wanted to share that with other people. Is that something that you naturally did, or was this something you had to learn how to do? 
going to the scriptures or lament specifically? Lament. Um, that's a great question. I would say that it was somewhat familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had even taught through the Psalms in in my ministry earlier, and I had seen other people do it. Uh, probably one of the most impactful books for me was uh, C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed. Yeah, and so I kind of like kind of heard about it, kind of touched on it, but never really uh, engaged with lament myself until we went through what we went through losing our son. So again, it, it became a necessity first before it even really became a concept that I understood, let alone something that I could tell others about. Yeah, well, and I mean, C.S. Lewis is, is obviously a master at, at walking through that, so at least you had a little bit of a foundation, obviously the Psalms, yes, but Describe really what that looked like for you to go from familiarity with it to uh, the kind of intimate uh, relationship with grief that none of us want but oftentimes Mm -hmm. face. That's a great question. Um, I haven't even really thought about it (laughs) in those terms. But for my wife and I, so uh, just to give the, the backstory, our, our son was diagnosed with a fatal condition halfway through the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So we learned halfway through our first pregnancy that we had to anticipate the, the death of our son because mm-hmm. he was able to survive in the womb but would not survive after delivery. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even just dealing with the loss but dealing with the anticipated loss of mm-hmm. our firstborn. Um, and that that was something that we just had no category for. I mean, we knew enough um, people in our lives who have had difficulties with pregnancy, who have experienced miscarriage. So we were aware of the potential for loss, but nothing like a fatal condition in the womb. Uh, And so, you know, we're we're missionaries. We, I teach and preach and disciple students. um, So I'm, I'm very much in scripture and, and connected to God's people. But the, the difficulty and the darkness of what we were experiencing was was so extreme for us that there was nothing that anybody was saying that was really bringing any comfort to us. And even the promises that you know I had preached on for years, like they they actually weren't doing anything for me other than I mean my my hope was still in Christ and the resurrection and you know his return. But in terms of navigating the daily uh, anxiety, fear anger, sorrow, um, there was, there's nothing that we could turn to except finding lament in scripture. And that was like the only thing that was really giving us, um, anything to do in that time. Uh, it was giving us, giving our pain a voice and even just giving us a way forward and how to relate to God and and others. I definitely want to, we'll come back to that, but I want to ask you something because of, of a close someone that was you know close to me for a while there my pastor's son actually went through the same thing um exact i don't know what the diagnosis on your end was but uh and i can't remember what it's called with him but you know the, they didn't know if the child would live through childbirth and then said it wouldn't be very long and and well she ended up living several months um mm-hmm. but you the daily you know, knowing this can be the last day for your child. I, I, I can't even relate to that. Um, but there were a lot of things said to him by good 
well-meaning church people that were really not helpful, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, were there in, were, were there some things maybe that that people said really out of ignorance because n- most people don't walk through that that you would encourage people to maybe not say if they know someone going through that kind of situation? Oh, I mean, if you had enough time, I could probably come up with a <laughs> nice long list. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's hard because they're everybody's different, and so every grief, every loss is, is its own thing. Um, so one thing that's helpful for one person may not be helpful for another Mm. person. Um, I I would say there were several cliches and platitudes that would be shared. Um, or even just like this idea that, well, you know, Jillian and I are still young. We could, we could try again, you know, as if, for some reason, Eli and and his life and his worth weren't valuable, you know, yeah. or, and this isn't, I don't think this is anything you can actually change. We really struggle with the question, how many kids do you have? Um, that that's such a go-to question. And yeah. for us, it's still a complicated question to answer. Uh, I mean, even, even at the beginning of the program, you know, just thinking about children and all that, like yeah. we have our son Conley, but we've also lost two other babies. So there's even just cultural realities that make it difficult to yeah. talk about grief in general and, and child loss. The, the main thing I would say, rather than coming up with a list of things to avoid, um, is our, our boot up is to want to say something that might alleviate some, some uh, pain, which is well-intentioned. But I think we, it's most helpful when we cultivate a desire to just listen. So rather than trying to speak, more so to just ask questions like, how are you doing? Like you said, where does it hurt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, what pain are you going through? And just, just listen and not feel the pressure to actually say much at all. Uh, and I hear that over and over, uh, you know, listening, just being present, you know, just being there for someone. And, and it, it does feel awkward. Um, especially when you don't know how to, to handle that kind of situation and you know someone's hurting you know we want to rush in but uh so when you talk about what did what did help uh in this whole idea of lament i mean that sounds like a biblical word to most people is it is that different do you think than grieving or complaining or you know how how would you how do you even define the term so the the way i define it in terms of just biblically speaking i i say lament is wrestling honestly with the lord so in the same way that grief and sadness or lament, it has a, you can have a secular, you know, you can look it up in the dictionary mm. and define it. When, when I look at scripture, uh, lament is the way that believers wrestle with the Lord, honestly, when they're struggling. Mm. So in the same way you can grieve or you can grieve as a believer and that's going to look different. So anybody can lament generally but scripture really gives you a pathway to lament as a believer and bring that to the lord would would hope be the difference because i mean you know, when we lose someone we will always say well we don't grieve as those who have no hope right which is scriptural mm-hmm. uh is there is there any hope in i mean what well, I, I don't even the, the question sounds odd coming out of my mouth right is there even <laughs> any hope in, in that kind of grief and lament 
Oh yeah, that's a great question. I would say yes and no. Um, there is in the sense that there is definitive hope that we have in the the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but even the way that that gets worked out in the day to day, actually what I appreciate about the book of Lamentations, um, one of the most, well, I think one of the only verses ever quoted from the book of Lamentations comes from the only hopeful, quote unquote, hopeful part of it. Mm -hmm. um, it you're probably familiar with it. Or if you Google Lamentations, this is the one that's always mentioned. It says, um, uh, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. That's the song, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, but right before that, uh, just before that section, the writer says, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Hmm. So here, here you have a, a prophet praying who is both hopeless and filled with hope at the same time. And I think lament actually allows for that tension where you can be hopeless, yet also be clinging to hope. You can know that you can have joy in the Lord, but also you're overwhelmed with sorrow. So rather than trying to pick what exactly, how exactly am I going to categorize it? It just allows for the mess. Mm -hmm. And that's what faith and, and hope in Christ really looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that's very interesting. All right, this is the book, Just Be Honest. And I want to ask you about the, the subtitle there. You say, How to Worship Through Tears. What does that mean to worship through tears? Um, I really take that from the Psalms, not just the experience and expression of, of sorrow and sadness, but lament is the, the largest category in the Psalms. So if you think of like all the types of Psalms that we love memorizing and singing about, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, sing to the Lord a new song. Um, <laughs> sorrowful Psalms are the largest category. And the Psalms as a whole is the book that God gave his people for corporate worship. It, I mean, it's how Israel sang and prayed when they came together. So just putting those two things together, lament is meant to be part of the way that we worship. It's not like this thing that you do before you can worship it's not something that you're just you're just doing by yourself when you're struggling but it's meant to be a part of how we engage with the lord individually and as a whole people that's that's interesting because you know i i, I you look at the old, the old hymns and it was they were full of lament right um but you know i, I guess modern worship writers probably go mm, not that one not that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, yeah. are we missing something by not incorporating this into a church setting, a corporate worship setting? I think so. I think we're missing a ton. Actually, one of my chapters, I just explore that that exact question um, about how to bring uh, lament back into corporate worship. On the one hand, I think what we miss people when we don't lament. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked about lament with and they will respond with something along the lines of that's allowed. I'm, mm. I'm allowed to do that. Mm. Um, they've been so shaped by this expectation that Christians are just positive and all we do is praise in the face of anything we face. Um, when in reality, God's like, no, I, I expect you to come with tough questions and 
explaining what you're feeling, not just devotionally, but in corporate worship too. And I also think um, that has a trickle down effect. I think that's actually one of the reasons why we don't know how to deal with pain and grief, particularly of other people, because we're used to hearing all these happy songs Mm -hmm. and all these promises. And we're not used to, to recognizing it's okay to wrestle with those things. And so that's kind of like our boot up response to other people. Um, so I think biblically speaking, it seems like God has set up worship to include all of our experiences and emotions. And we're meant to sing those and pray those together as well. And so, yeah, the Psalms in particular really broaden our experience of what worship should look like. And so I'm a strong advocate for worship leaders and songwriters to not leave out the Psalm 13s and, and 88s or the, the songs that are based on Psalm 42, for example. There's like several songs written on that Psalm, but they leave out the, the part where he says, right. God, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why are we leaving that out? So, <laughs> so I mean, what, what do, you, do you think by sort of setting that aside or not not it's not that we don't allow it in our service it's just we just kind of let's just you know let's let's focus on the positive right are we missing a chance for healing yeah i think so i mean there's i'll just share an example from from our own story at my son's memorial service um so i actually i i wrote the service um and what we one of the things we made sure to include was a time to lament, not just personally, but to have the entire group lament together. Mm. And so we we had a call and response time in Psalm 44, where the psalm it's one of the the um, grittiest and most raw psalms in the book, and it ends with "Awake, Lord, why are you sleeping? Mm. Basically, why are you allowing this to happen to us?" Mm. And for us to sit at my son's memorial service and hear our family and friends crying out to God on our behalf, it gave us uh, an intangible, invaluable sort of solidarity that like, we're not just crying out by ourselves. Other people are crying out with us and for us and just, you know, bringing God the honest questions that we're, we're wrestling with. So when people are left to kind of work through those things on their own, um, they're kind of marginalized. Like they feel like sorrow is just something that you do on your own, but when you're all together, you just do happy things. And in the same way, if you don't tend to a wound, a physical wound, the healing process is going to be much more difficult. And I think it's true for the spiritual reality as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And good. No, I'm, are you, you were raised Catholic, were you? I wasn't, no. So, uh, you know, I grew up, well, unfortunately, I grew up where we were told Catholics weren't even Christians. Nonsense. Uh, I did joke with a Catholic friend of mine one time, you know, I just wish you let Jesus off the cross every once in a while, you know, (laughs) with the crucifix (laughs) in the church. I'm I'm joking, I'm not joking, but I will say this, um, and, and I think we can obviously, there's, you know, the old Irish saying, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch, right? We can, we can get on one, a ditch on one side or the other. But I think sometimes in the sort of the evangelical, especially more charismatic circles I've been in, um, we, we don't, 
we talk about the victory in the cross, and we should, but there is a before that, and that's suffering. And Jesus mm-hmm. suffered, and and that's you know the Catholics have Jesus on the cross to remember the suffering, and. I, you know, if that's all you focus on, you never get to the resurrection. But if you just go straight to the resurrection, you ignore the suffering. It, was there is there anything about Christ's own suffering that ministered to you during your time of suffering? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and even as you're saying that, I I think of Paul saying, "I preach Christ crucified." Mm-hmm. Now he also preached Christ resurrected, but there's a time and place for both. And a, and a need for the emphasis. Yeah, I mean, the suffering of Jesus, well, the grieving of Jesus at Lazarus's tomb was probably the most helpful mm. uh, reality of Jesus that, that allowed me to be okay with being sad and being sorrowful. I mean, he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead and he slowed down and he cried. Mm-hmm. If the sovereign God in flesh, who was about to make everything better in that moment, slowed down to weep, then that's got to be instructive for the way that we engage with pain and loss and sorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, But he didn't just weep over other people to express his love. He, he wrestled with the father in the garden of Gethsemane. He cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he wasn't just reciting that as like a script to a play. He was crying out because there's a number other of lament Psalms that he also quoted from the cross. So, um, yeah, the, the suffering of Jesus and the laments of Jesus really helped me know that uh, it's okay to cry out. It's not just weak. <laughs> it's not subhuman. There's actually a godliness and a holiness to expressing your heartache. And that was so helpful. Well, okay, now that's a that's a statement. That is a strong, <laughs> seriously, people, so I think some people need to hear that. Uh, and, and, you know... Th- sorry you've had to live it I, I don't wish that kind of pain on anyone but for you to be able to come back and tell people that uh, I think it's it's very powerful um, what, what would you maybe say to someone who is going through something right now that they're just trying to figure out how to get through it and maybe they've been conditioned a little bit to kind of hide the pain or, or gloss over the pain I would say it's okay to be sad. That's what you see Jesus doing at Lazarus's tomb. He's weeping. Um, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have questions. Again, that's what Jesus cries out on the cross. That's what the lament Psalms do. And it's okay to do those things and ask your questions and be in process and not feel rushed towards a conclusion or rushed to wrap it up anytime soon. I mean, even if you think about David's lament psalms, Psalm 13, he had to take the time to not only experience what he was experiencing, but then write about it and then share about it. So at the very least, he had a process and he wrote tons of lament psalms. So he was going through these cycles over and over again. So I think for anyone who's suffering right now to know that God doesn't rush us or pressure us to pretend like we're okay, uh, to just be positive and paste his promises on, on your pain. Um, Jesus wept. You can weep too. Jesus wrestled with the father. You can wrestle as well. And it's, it's through that process that eventually he leads us towards praise and trust again. But 
even though other people might be rushing you or you might be rushing yourself, the Lord's really patient with us when we're in pain. Mm. There's a couple of phrases I want to ask you about. And I, and I know I mean, a couple of bad phrases, I would say there's, there's things <laughs> like, you know, get over it or move on, which is probably said with a little more hopeful sincerity. Um, what does it look like to, to get through heartache and grief to a place where there is wholeness, even though there's still a hole? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I mean, just living in, in living crushed and broken the rest of your life, I don't think is God's design either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but rushing through the process to where we don't actually go through the process is as, as you're laying out, not biblical, uh, and certainly not healthy, uh, you know, burying, mm-hmm. burying the emotions and the pain that just those, those wounds tend to just fester. But what does it look like to, to go through the lamenting process with a, a goal in mind? And how would you even define that goal? Is wholeness a fair word? Oh man, I see what you're saying. I'm hesitant to use the word wholeness in the sense of, I, I like your word whole. <laughs> There's a hole there. Right. Um, actually, a, an image that C.S. Lewis used in Grief Observed helped me a lot. He talks about um, when you lose someone you love, it's like an amputation. Yeah. And if somebody gets their leg amputated, they'll learn to live with one leg. Mm but they're never going to forget that they should have two legs. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that was such a good image for me. Cause that's what it's felt like with particularly with losing Eli yeah. that we have moved, we'll never move on, but right. we do move forward and we're limping. Like there is a, a permanent cavity in our family that's shaped by our right. son. Right. right. Um, and, and so it's, it's learning and, and every stage and season of our lives, there's a different wave of grief that comes. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, my, my son Conley, he's two years old. I am constantly wondering what would it be like if Eli were here? Yeah. You know, he, he would have been five. What yeah. would it be like to have a five-year-old brother around? Now, uh, I do think, and I can't say like what's unhealthy, what's not unhealthy. I do think that if we were so debilitated by sorrow still at this point, right. then we would want to make sure we're, we're getting some extra help and, and continue to talk through it. Um, but we're always limping. <laughs> no, uh, we'll always remember yeah. the amputation, yeah. um, but we will move forward as, as you know, we engage different seasons. Yeah. No. Does that answer your question? A hundred percent, man. I totally, I think it's very well put actually. Um, you know, the, I, in some ways, um, my nephew's wedding was harder than my sister's funeral. My sister passed mm-hmm. away at a young age and, Mm-hmm. had three small children and and it was that missing thing it was the fact that she wasn't at her first child's wedding and here they are mm-hmm. celebrating a very happy thing and the hurt hit me real hard yeah. uh that that she's mis- and it's that it's that missing aspect of it and that doesn't mm-hmm. go away you don't get over that um and i don't think you should but yet there is still a an a, a peace that passes understanding when you know God, because mm-hmm. you do know mm-hmm. in the end, it, you know, it, it, it's good. And, and I know, you know, I know he loved, he loves my sister more than I ever could because I'm human. Right. And he's mm-hmm. got it under control. It, it's only, you know, he knows, he knows the resurrection 
you know, but still there's that period of mourning while you're at the grave and it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Let's not kid everybody about it. Right. But mm-hmm. there is, I, I think there is, um, a way to not be crushed by the sorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. even while we mourn. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what Paul lays out. I mean, he says to not grieve as those who have no hope. Mm-hmm. So he's not saying don't grieve. He's saying grieve, but you also have hope that's kind of giving a foundation for your grieving. And I think actually your story illustrates beautifully what it can be like to have faith and hope. We do trust that God's going to work these things out uh, one day, but while we wait for that, yes. there's going to be sorrow and joy. Mm-hmm. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He doesn't say sometimes you're sorrowful, sometimes you're rejoicing. He's saying actually both of those happen, can happen simultaneously. Um, or in Romans 8, you know, we like to quote Romans eight twenty eight. God, God works all things together according to his purpose for those who love him. But just a few verses earlier, he says, as we wait for adoption and redemption, he says we groan. Mm. So <laughs> the, we can have hope, but as we wait for that to happen, we're going to groan and grieve even as we cling to joy and, and trust in the Lord. Yeah. Oh, a tough tough conversation to have but so necessary and people really need mm-hmm. the freedom to know uh that that what they're feeling itself isn't just sin there is a there is a godly way to lament and, and i appreciate mm-hmm. you laying that out anything you want to add before i let you go i would just say uh if any of this is helpful check out the book because that's me pouring my heart it's my way of sitting with someone who is wrestling uh just to say hey here's here's all the permission that you have from scripture to, to feel what you're feeling and know how to navigate uh, your heartache towards hope. So that would be my invitation. And, and that's great. And you can do that with Clint Watkins uh, with his book, Just Be Honest. It's available wherever you get books. You can also go to clintondwatkins.com. What's the D stand for? You got to tell me. David. David. Clint. Clint David Watkins. ClintDWatkins.com. Uh, and here's the book, Just Be Honest. Appreciate you guys being here. If you know somebody needs to hear this, hit that share button. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. We float on this vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.